Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. Today, let's catch up on some developments in a topic that we've looked at on a past edition of the Electronic Cottage, as well as looking ahead at some of the things being tried out in labs and elsewhere that we're very likely to see before long as regular parts of our digital lives. Listeners may recall that on a recent edition of the Electronic Cottage, we mentioned that Britain's National Health Service has hatched a plan to extract electronic patient data from all of the general practitioner's offices in the country. The purpose is supposedly to aggregate that information into a central database that could be used for medical research by the health service itself, by academic researchers, and by not clearly identified other groups, including, apparently, some commercial entities. The identity of the patients will supposedly be anonymized, but as security experts of many stripes have pointed out over recent years, there is really no such thing as full anonymization in our digital world today. Patients under this new program have the right to opt out of having their data collected for this new national data repository, but in order to do that, A, they have to know about it, B, they have to understand what this whole new initiative is all about, and C, they have to affirmatively say that they don't want to be part of it by June 23, 2021, since the collection of that information begins July 1st. As we asked on a recent program in reporting on this giant health service to vacuum up patient data around the country, quote, Medical records for 50-plus million people in a central database. What could go wrong? End quote. Well, it seems we're not the only ones wondering about that question. And after a lot of pushback from people who matter in the country, the National Health Service says it's delaying the implementation of the so-called General Practice Data for Planning and Research program from July 1st, 2021 to September 1st, 2021. Why? Well, Joe Churchill, Undersecretary for Health and Social Care in the UK, said that, quote, we've decided we will proceed with the important program, but we will take some extra time as we've conversed with stakeholders over the past couple of days, end quote. This statement is basically an attempt to put lipstick on a pig. One of the key points of this initiative was that a panel of general practitioners would be consulted all the way through the process and would make key decisions about things like patient privacy. Except, of course, that the British Medical Association, as well as the Royal College of General Practitioners, both sent letters to the National Health Service saying that they did not approve of the plan as currently designed and that the communication with the public about what the plan is and how patients can opt out of having their personal medical data vacuumed up was seriously inadequate. Oh yeah, and in Parliament, the opposition Labour Party also called for a delay in implementation of the plan over concern that, well, as currently designed, it would be illegal. Once again, a large organization designed a system in which individuals have a choice only to opt out. The default is that unless a patient was informed of, understood, and took specific action at their doctor's offices to say no, 
the system assumed they meant yes. This, of course, is exactly the way most software companies and online commercial entities behave as well. As we said on a recent program on the subject of opt-in rather than opt-out systems, the default should always be opt-in rather than opt-out. Listeners interested in that topic can find the program in the Electronic Cottage Archives at www.weru.org. We'll do our best to keep an eye on how this National Health Service process develops over across the pond. Meanwhile, none of us have to be reminded that things have changed in a big way during the COVID pandemic, and it's very likely that some of those changes are going to remain in our world with some very big implications. One of the big effects of the pandemic is that workers who could work from home did and are and may very well continue to do so, at least in part. On the other hand, workers who could not work from home had some very big choices to make, and a significant number of them decided not to go to work out of concern for their health and the health of their families. That left some employers with some big challenges, and some of those employers accelerated the process of automating some of the work in their businesses sooner than they might otherwise have done. We often hear politicians hollering about how jobs have gone overseas and we're going to bring them back. Unfortunately, that is not going to happen in any significant numbers. The reason is simply that the major reason that the U.S. has lost jobs over the past three decades is because of automation, not because of jobs disappearing overseas. The process of automating routine and even not-so-routine tasks has been gaining momentum for years, and the lack of people coming to work during COVID has accelerated that process. For example, McDonald's is testing an artificial intelligence chatbot at 10 of its drive through locations in Chicago. A customer drives up, speaks an order, and an AI chat box takes the order, processes it, and gives the price and says, drive up to the next window. No human worker involved. That saves McDonald's a paycheck and gets rid of a job for someone. Naturally, in order to make this work, just as with the Alexa or Siri character on some of our devices, the customer's voice is recorded so that the speech can be processed online before any hamburger order is processed in the store. Since this test is taking place in Chicago, and since Chicago is in Illinois, and since Illinois has the country's first law against collecting biometric data without a person's specific permission, you know, opting in instead of opting out, a question has arisen in the form of a lawsuit accusing McDonald's of collecting customers' biometric data, their voices, without customers' explicit permission. This is, we suspect, something we'll be hearing a lot more about as automation becomes more and more apparent on the front lines of contact with customers in our hopefully soon-to-be post-COVID economy. We'll do our best to ponder some of the implications of the interaction between humans and artificial intelligence automated machines in the workplace or at the order-taking counter right here on future editions of Notes from the Electronic Cottage.